Amen. God bless you guys. If you'll read with me, I'm going to read in Luke chapter 8, very familiar passage of Scripture the Lord led me to in the last few days. And um, in it is contained the parable of the sower. And I want to read to you just a few verses. Uh, Luke chapter 8, verse number 4 says, And when a great uh, crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And as he said these things, listen to this, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. He that has ears to hear, let him hear. Amen. Y'all indulge me. If you have ears and you're in this place, would you just raise your hand? Amen. I think, I hope I didn't leave anybody out. Amen. We honor you if you don't have ears. But he said, if you have ears to hear, let him hear what I am saying. His disciples came, and I'm not going to read all the verses. They ask him the meaning of the parable. And he tells them, it's been given to you to know the secrets of the kingdom. And Jesus speaks in this parable and explains it to them. And he says in verse 11, now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. And the ones along the path who have heard are those who have heard. And the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And he said, the ones who are on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root and believe for a while and in a time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. Somebody say they hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life. And their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who hearing the word hold it fast in an honest and good heart. And bear fruit with patience. And I'm going to jump down to verse 17. and uh, Verse 18 rather. And Jesus says this. He says, take care then how you hear. The King James Version says it this way, take heed then how you hear. Those words, take heed, indicate a carefulness, a seriousness about how you hear. Take heed how you hear, for to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. Today I want to preach to you about this, take heed how you hear. Would you just lift your hands and pray that our hearts would be ready to receive the word. Lord, we pray for your word right now that it would pierce to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit of bone and marrow, God, that you would speak in this room to right where people are living, God. I pray that this would be a foundational message for somebody's future, that somebody's life and somebody's heart would be changed by the truths that are in your word, God. We just give you room to operate and do what you want to do in this place today. And everybody said in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. The human capacity to misunderstand what we've heard is incredible. In fact, we just don't always hear things correctly. Can I get an amen from all the wives in this room? We don't always get it right. Anybody have trouble hearing? 
Not, not the ability to hear, but the clarity of knowing what was said. Sometimes we just don't get it. We, we miss what was said. We talk past one another and we misunderstand the purpose. And growing up in, in church as a kid, there were plenty of opportunities to mishear things. Some of you will relate to what I'm saying. Because of all the songs we sang, there was one I was 100% sure that when we were singing, we exalt thee, that we were actually singing, we exhaust thee. And I asked my mom one day, I said, Mom, why do we exhaust God? And she said, baby, that's not what we're singing. We're singing, we exalt thee. And so my, my best friend, he came, he came and was a part of the conversation. He said, I thought we were saying we are salty. And look, maybe that's true for some of you. Maybe some of you exhaust God, and maybe some of you are salty in this place. I don't know. But we mishear things. Somebody turn and say, we mishear things. I'm not the only one. Because growing up in San Antonio, my sister thought that the Star Spangled Banner was about a young man named Jose. <laughs> Jose, can you see by the dawn's early light? She thought it was about Jose. Maybe some of you did too. But we mishear things. There, there are many opportunities to mishear because two people can hear the same thing and come away with two different interpretations and experiences. Can I get an amen? The boss tells you how to do a thing. Two employees hear the same instruction and go and do the exact opposite thing because somebody didn't hear it correctly. Two people can have a discussion. And what one person is hearing is totally different than what the other person is saying. And sometimes we call this phenomenon marriage. Can I get an amen? We misunderstand things sometimes. Simply hearing a thing doesn't guarantee that the message is properly received. Can I get an amen, parents? No matter how painstaking the effort to convey it, because the reality is that like a third party in the conversation. The preconceived notions, ideas, and perceptions that is within the other person is shaping how they are hearing what you are saying. And so sometimes you just can't say it good enough. You can't say it right enough. You can speak it with all the best intentions and still wires get crossed. Can I get an amen? I know I'm preaching. And so the result is that two people can hear the same thing and come away with entirely different interpretations. A few years ago on the internet, there was this, uh, we're going to play a video here for you in a second, but there was a, a great debate. The world was almost torn apart by this debate based on what you're hearing. Brother Tommy, if you would play it for us. Some of you will remember Laurel. It. What do you hear? Laurel. Laurel. Some of you hear Laurel. 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 Raise your hand if you hear Laurel. 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 Some of you are hearing Yanny. Raise Laurel. your hand if you hear Yanny. Amen. Laurel. See, not many. Laurel. Amen. You can, you can shut it off, Brother Laurel. Tommy. People thought it's not Laurel, it's Yanny. It, one more time. Let's just see the Yannies out there. Amen. I don't want to start a civil war. Some of you are going to be debating this at lunch. But two people can hear the same sound but get a totally different thing. For the record, I'm in the correct camp of the laurels. <laughs> Did you see how many hands went up for laurels, you Yanny people? <laughs> that's right, that's right. Yanny people are unique, very special, amen. And so, I just want to say it's common 
to mishear things. In fact, it's a simple word, but that one word, people could not agree about what was being said. And so, so we took this little vote just as an example of how common it is to hear and misunderstand things. And in fact, the scientific reason that we hear different things in that sound is because it is a mixture of low-quality audio in which several different words are being spoken. And so some of you are picking up on the higher tones and you hear Yanny. And some of you are picking up on the lower tones and your ear is hearing Laurel. It's because of the low quality of the recording and the reception that we do not clearly understand what is being said. And so it's common to misunderstand things. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, hearing is important. Hearing is important. Scripture places a premium on hearing. In Deuteronomy 6.4, the Shema, the Bible says it's God's preeminent word to Israel through Moses was this. Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He said, hear, that is the word Shema, and it doesn't just mean for something to hit your ears, but it means to hear with intent, to listen closely, to hear, but to really hear. It implies more. It implies to hear with the intent to obey. And so when God says, hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God is one Lord, he is saying, listen to it with your soul. Listen to it with your heart. Get it down deep. Talk about it with your kids. Get it down deep till you love God with everything that you have. Listen and hear what I am saying, O Israel. You see, throughout the Gospels, Jesus frames his parable four times with the words, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Three times in the book of Mark, he says this phrase, He that has an ear, let him hear. And then, and then in one time in the book of Luke, he uses these words, He that has ears to hear, let him hear. Here And then we, we flip over to Revelations chapter 1 and 2. And seven times in the first two chapters of his message to the churches, the seven churches of Revelation, God says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Why this emphasis on listening and hearing throughout the pages of Scripture? Why the constant call to tune our ears to the eternal? I'm here to preach to you today. It's because God is fundamentally, at his core, a speaking God. He is not silent, but he speaks. We serve a speaking God. And God has been committed from the beginning to reveal himself through his word. The scriptures are not man's thoughts about God. I just want to clarify this. Sometimes we look at the Bible and we think, well, that's, that's Isaiah's thoughts about God. Or that is David, the psalmist's thoughts about God. Or this is Paul's idea about God. But the scriptures, ladies and gentlemen, are not man's thoughts about God. But they are God's thoughts about himself being conveyed to us through the human conduit of understanding and words. And so God speaks. The Bible says that the scriptures of old came about as God spake through the prophets. Holy men of God spake as the Spirit gave them inspiration. And so God is a speaking God. It's a fundamental fact that undergirds the very idea 
of Scripture is that God has been talking to us throughout human history. That God has something to say to his creation. That God has some words for your life, for your hope, and for your health. God is a speaking God. Somebody say he speaks. In the Old Testament Scripture, often contrasts God Jehovah with idols who had mouths that could not speak. Some of you will remember these passages. Psalm 115. Psalmist says this. He says, our God is in the heavens and he does all that he pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. Listen to this. They have mouths, but they do not speak. They have eyes, but they do not see. These idols have ears, but they do not hear. They have noses, but they do not smell. They have hands, but they do not feel. They have feet, but they do not walk. And they do not make a sound in their throat. And then later, in the same psalm, he goes on to say, But the Lord has remembered us, and he will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both small and great. And I want you just for a moment to see the contrast, what the psalmist said about the idolatry of his day and the pagan gods and our God. He said, our God is in the heavens, and he does as he pleases. And their idols, they cannot speak, they cannot see, they cannot move, they cannot hear, they cannot smell. They can do none of those things, but our God does what he pleases. And our God remembers us. And he says, and he will bless the house of them that fear him. He will bless those. You see the word bless there means a performative utterance or a speech act that brings good upon someone or something in contrast to cursing. And their gods have no ability to speak. But the psalmist said, our God is in the heavens. And it is his will to speak to the children of men that love him. And that fear him. And that worship him. And our God is a God that blesses with the words of his mouth. He proclaims blessing over your house. He proclaims blessing over your family. He proclaims blessing over your life. Our God is a speaking God. The Bible is a book of divine communication and it's filled from cover to cover with God's voice speaking to humanity. Listen in the opening lines of Genesis, how they show us that God created the world with his words. When the transforming power of his voice pierces the darkness of chaos and he speaks the first recorded words of scripture, let there be light. And observe what happens. There was light. Our God doesn't just talk, but he speaks with power and with authority. And we see him creating via the avenue of his word in the book of Genesis. Why? Because where the word of the king is, there is power. And God says, let there be light. And there was light. God started the story off with speaking. And then all the way, if we flip to all the way to the other end of the Bible, in Revelation chapter 22, we find that after 4,000 years of human history, 65 previous books written, we find that in the closing verses of the book of Revelation, God is still speaking. Revelation 22, if you have a red letter Bible, is filled with red letters. And we hear the voice of Jesus saying, 
at the end of Revelation, Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the one which was and is and is to come. In verse 16, he says, I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and the morning star. In verse 20, he who testifies of these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. From cover to cover, the Bible is a book of communication. And God is a speaking God. He spoke to Adam and Eve in the garden and walked with him in the cool of the day. He spoke to Noah to build an ark for the saving of his house. And he said, Noah, it's going to rain. He spoke to Abram to leave Ur of the Chaldees to find and live in a land that he would show him. He's the God who called out to Moses from a burning bush and then later spoke the words of the covenant to Moses on Mount Sinai. God spoke to a little boy named Samuel and called him to be a prophet. And later God spoke to angels and messengers time and time again. He spoke to his people through the prophets and even occasionally through kings. And Hebrews 1 says this, It says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophet, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom, listen to this, he also made the world. Is anybody with me today? He's a speaking God. He's a communicating God. He's a God that has a voice. And Hebrews 1 declares to us that Jesus is more than just another entry in the column of divine communication. But in the last days, Hebrews says, God has spoken to us through His Son, Jesus Christ, through whom He made the worlds. The writer of Hebrews is trying to tell us that the same Word that set creation into motion, the same Word that pierced the darkness... And created all things. The same word that spoke through the prophets and preachers of old. Has come to us in the form of a man named Jesus. Because Jesus is not just another man. He's not just another messenger. He's not just another prophet. He's not just another entry in the column. But he is the living word of God. Hold on with me for a second. John 1 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, the Logos in the Greek, and the Word was with God. And the word was God. That word Logos signifies the plan and the purpose eternally of God. And in John 1, he starts off declaring in the beginning was the word. It all started with the word. It all came from the word. Before everything unfolded on this earth, there was a God that was speaking and saying things and proclaiming things. And prophesying to the future. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And listen to what John continues and says. He is the Logos. He says, John 1.14, And that Word was made flesh 
and it dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. What does John say? What does John reveal? He reveals that God didn't just sit back in eternity and send forth his word, but he came clothed in flesh. God of eternity stepped down from glory into humanity and into a robe of flesh to become the living, breathing, acting word of God. He is the Logos. He is not just a second divine person. He is not a second member of the Trinity. But the book of Philippians says that all the fullness of the Godhead dwelleth in him bodily. That is, in his body is all of who God is. He is the living word of God revealed to us in flesh. Can I get an amen? I hope you are beginning to see how committed God is to speaking. It is literally who he is. It is what he is all about. In 2 Samuel 22, his voice thundered from heaven. But then in 1 Kings 19, he spoke to Elijah by the still, small voice. In the New Testament, God spoke to Peter by vision. But to Paul, as a thundering voice. From heaven. And so, in whatever way, by whatever means necessary, God is committed to speak to the hearts of humanity. That is what we do when we assemble in this place. Is we come because our hearts want to hear what heaven has to say. We come because our hearts are longing for something some word from heaven. Did anybody come here looking for a word? Ah, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. That's why we come. Listen, if you came here out of routine, you, you missed the importance of this moment. Because we come to attune our hearts so that having ears, we may hear what the Spirit is saying. The church. God is a speaking God. God wants to talk to you about your life. And if you came here today and you thought God was some distant figure with no interest in you, you could not be more wrong. God wants to speak the heart of man. John 12 shows us a unique experience that happens. And the Greeks come to Philip and they tell Philip, they find him knowing he's a disciple and say, sirs, we would see Jesus. And what follows is spectacular as Jesus answers this request for them to see him. And as Jesus responds in prayer and begins to declare what his purpose is, something interesting happens. Jesus responds in praise and he says this. He says, my hour is now come. And so he prays. He says, Father, glorify your name. And a voice, the Bible said, came from heaven and said, I have glorified it. The heavens open. The voice of God speaks out, I will glorify it. And I will glorify it again. And listen to John 12, 29 says this. It says, the crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. King James Version says it this way. Some said that it thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to them. And Jesus answered and said, the voice has come for your sake, not mine. And Jesus answered and said, the voice did not come because of me, 
but for your sake. Listen to me today. They all heard the voice. They all heard the word. They all heard the sound. But two responses are recorded that day. One group recognizes the voice of God. One group says an angel of God has spoken to him. But the other group said, that was just thunder. Some said, it thundered. Two people hear the same thing, but they get a whole different perspective on it. Some said, it thundered. And listen to me, sometimes we miss the voice of God because we attribute what is happening to the explainable. We attribute what's happening. Well, the preacher, he just got lucky on preaching what I'm dealing with. Somebody must have told him. <laughs> Pastor preached, and he got all up in my business. You go home, and you fuss with your family. Did you tell him? <laughs> Some said it thundered. Sometimes the word of God will prick your heart and speak to you. And you explain it away and say, that's just me. That's not really God. And God calls you to do something. And you say, no, that's not me. That's not who I am. And we, we attribute it to the explainable. That's just your wild imagination. Or that's just the emotions of the church. Or, or that's just what your perception is. And some said that it thundered. We say, that's my imagination. Or, or some such explanation. That is believable. But this is what Jesus is driving at in our text in Luke 8. God can thunder from heaven. And our hearts can still find a way to dismiss what just happened. God's voice can split the sky. Some people will fall on deaf ears. God's voice can pierce the darkness. Some people say it's just a coincidence. Hear me today, I came to try to help somebody to receive the communication that God has been trying to send you. This is what Jesus is driving at. As the crowds gather in Luke chapter 8, the Bible says Jesus began to teach them a parable. Somebody say a parable. The word is made up of two Greek words, parabeles. And those two words mean this. It means to cast alongside. That's what it means. What a parable is, it is an earthly story that is cast alongside or laid alongside a heavenly truth. And so what Jesus is trying to do is he's trying to lay this eternal truth alongside something that these people can grasp and understand because he is the God that speaks. And so he tells this story about the sower who goes out to sow his seed. And as he sows, some of the seed falls along a path and is trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air come and take it and devour it. And the seed never amounts to anything. And then... Some others fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it has no moisture. And it has a little growth, but it has no depth or root. And so, the end of the seed is just as if it had never been sown at all. And then, he talks about the, the, the seed that fell among the thorns, and the thorns grow up with it and choke it. And some falls into good soil and yields a hundredfold produce. And as he says these things, he calls out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus uses the illustration of the sower. And listen, the parable of the sower is really the parable of the soil. 
Listen, today I'm sowing. But you know that I have no control. Sometimes I get down on myself, and preachers, we all do this because there wasn't more response or because the people weren't feeling it or getting it. But listen, all we can do is throw the seed. And so I'm just going to dismiss myself from all responsibility right now. It's not my problem what happens with the seed. It's not my responsibility because the sower goes forth to sow. And that's what we are called to do, Christians. We're called to sow the word into our world. And so you witness to that neighbor, even if that neighbor doesn't respond, you did what you were supposed to do. Can I get an amen? Somebody say, we're sowers. But we're also soil. Because God is speaking to every one of us. And we are the soil. And so it's not my responsibility what you do with what I say today. I can't control you. In fact, the only thing in all of creation that doesn't leap at the command of God is the human heart. It's the only thing. And Jesus unfolds his story. And he shows us that the seed is the word of God. And that the soil is the human heart. And there are three types of hearts that the seed does not produce in. Is that alright if I preach the word today? You've heard this before, but I feel in the Holy Ghost to preach it to somebody. Because we look at the seed, and if we're not careful, we can blame the word and say, it's not working in my life. It's not producing in my life. But there are three types of hearts in which the word will not produce. There is the wayside soil. And listen, this is the heart that's been walked over. It's been hardened by life. It's been trampled over soil, unreceptive to the word of God. And there are some people who will hear the word of God. And because their hearts are hardened by experiences, they are unreceptive to the word of God. They've lived too much and they've seen too much in their history and their collected experiences inform their heart as to the nature of God and truth and God thunders to them from the heavens and they say that was just a natural phenomenon. It's just a And Jesus tells us that when the word is sown into the wayside soil that because of the hardness of their heart the devil will come and take away the words so that they will not believe and uh, cannot believe and eventually be saved. They cannot make it because their hearts are too hard to receive what God is saying. And there are people in this room, God bless us all, that there are some people in this room that your heart has just grown hard. It's just been trampled over. Maybe it's not today, but maybe it was before you came to God. And your heart was so hard that nobody could say anything to change you. That is the wayside soil. They have drawn their own conclusions and shut off all communication from heaven. And so the devil has his way and his will in their life because the word can never produce anything of value in them. And listen to me, no wonder the prophet of old, King Solomon, said, guard your heart. With all diligence, guard your heart for out of it are the issues of life. The reason some people will never respond to the word of God is because they have hardened the things of God. And then there is the rocky soil. This is a heart that has never been plowed deeply. And there are other things, stones, rocks, that have never been dug up and out, uprooted out of their heart. And they have committed uh, a little bit. 
But their commitment runs thin because they have no depth of earth. They never plowed up the love of money. They never dealt with the inner, inner demons of their addiction. They never settled the moral struggles in their life. And so as joyful as they are, when the word of God appears, they are ultimately shallow because of stuff that lives beneath the surface. And there is no roots and there is no depth of earth because alongside their love for God, there's other stuff in there. They'll believe the word of God, but don't get too much into my business, God. And they'll set parameters for God. This is the heart that says, God, I'll come to you, but I'll come on my own terms. This is the heart that says, God, I'll listen to your word, but only so much as it fits with the depth that I'm willing to live at. And this is the heart that stops God's word from growing. And even though they are joyful when they receive it, because uh, they are shallow when the going gets tough, the Bible says they disappear. They fail the test of faith because of the stony and hardened places living in their heart. And then Jesus says, the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but they have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, fail. Is anybody with me today? I'm quickly coming towards a close. And then there's the thorny soil. And this is a heart that once had depth and growth. Many of you here today may relate to what I'm preaching right now. It wasn't plowed in the right season. You see, agriculturally speaking, the reason for the thorny soil is that that thorny soil was plowed in an unseasonable time. You see, you've got to wait for the weeds to grow up. You've got to wait for the weeds to pierce the surface before you plow the soil. And some farmers would try to get ahead and they would try to plow the soil up ahead of time. And they didn't trust God's timing and they didn't trust and respond to God. They tried to do it in their own understanding and in their own time. And because they have pursued and received God's word this way, there's stuff that lives under the surface. I heard this the other day, this fact, that it takes 60 pounds of seed to sow one acre of soil. 60 pounds of seed, if I want to plant an acre of corn, i got to have 60 pounds of seed. But living under the surface of that same soil, of that one acre, there's over 3,000 pounds of weed seed that is already in the soil. And so if you don't plow your heart, what is already living there, if you don't do the full work of repentance, what was already living there will rear its ugly head someday down the road because it was never dealt with in due time. And you've been living for God a long time, but all of a sudden some stuff is competing for your affection. And it's going alongside what the Word is trying to produce in your life. And though you had some growth and some promise, you come to a stopping point where all of your issues are stopping you from being fruitful I don't know if you know it but I'm preaching in here right now see the cares of life can choke out the impact of God's word if we let it and this is a heart that loves God but it loves the world too it's a heart that wants to serve God but it has competing desires and ambitions living alongside it it's a heart that wants to please God but it's also got a busy schedule and God speaks to you and sows the word into your life. And he says, I'm calling you to prayer. And you say, yes, Lord, I want to pray. 
I want to be a person of prayer. But the schedule is too busy. And the work is too rigorous and you're tired. And children have events. And God, I want to live for you. But there's some other stuff in my life that reaches out from the soil of my heart and pulls back down the product of the word. I feel the Holy Ghost in this room right now. I want to tell you, the seed is not the problem. The seed is not the problem. It's the soil. The word of God will work in your life. The Bible says it is quick and it is powerful. And it is sharper than any two-edged sword. The word knows how to do what it's designed to do. Do you know what a seed is? Let me give you a little lesson in the end of this sermon. The seed is hardware that surrounds a, hard, a, so, a shell of hardware that surrounds software. And when the seed is cast into the correct soil and the correct environment, the hardware breaks apart and the software begins to work and the software begins to tell the roots to go down and the sprouts to go up and so because the soil has been properly prepared the seed begins to work and it just seems like a little seed it just seems like a little sermon it just seems like a morning devotion it seems like a chance encounter or maybe a random thundering from the sky but that word has power that word has power to change your family. That word has power to change your life. That word has the ability to grow and to create a new landscape of your living. The word will work. Listen to this. You're going to love this. If you take one ear of corn, it has approximately 800 kernels on it. And if you only had one ear of corn and you took one kernel of the corn... You reach down in your popcorn bag to those leftover bits and you take one of those kernels and you plant it. it in the right kind of soil it will grow. And if you take all of the ears of corn that it grows and you take every one of those kernels from it and you plant them faithfully into good, well-prepared soil in the right environment, they will grow. And when they produce more corn and more cobs of corn and ears of corn, you can take all of the kernels for that. And if you were to do that and plant them for six years, that one kernel, that one little bit, that one Sunday morning, that one passing sermon, that one Bible devotion can multiply and that one seed of corn can produce enough seed to cover the entire earth in six years. And I'm here to tell you the word will change the landscape of your life. The word will work. Maybe you don't see it now. Maybe it seems too hard or it seems beyond you. Stand up with me. Maybe it seems too far fetched to think. But how your heart receives the word right now. Somebody say right now. Right now. Can change your life. Five years from now, your family and your marriage can look entirely different. Kids that you thought would never love God or serve God. If you let the word work, it will produce and it will be fruitful in your life. If you let the word work, it'll change the direction and the outcome 
of your family tree. Can anybody hear what I'm saying today? God has spoken to us and all it takes is just a word. The same word that moved heaven and earth. The same word that formed light and darkness and cast the stars and the moon into place can speak into your life, into your family. And in the correct soil, it can produce a 100-fold. The power of God's word is exponential. So God spoke to Abraham that one word. And that one word, get out from your father's house and I will show you a land produced in him. Something that would impact all the families of the earth. He said, in blessing I will bless thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. It was just one word. It was just one word. But when Abraham lived it, loved it, and embraced it, do you know that you're here today? Because of the father of the faithful Abraham. You and I are here today because one man received the word with meekness and it was engrafted into his soul. One man received the word of God with a noble and willing heart and God changed the trajectory of his history and gave him a son and gave that son 12 sons and out of those 12 sons rise up a Messiah that the world will one day every knee will bow to. No wonder Jesus tells us, take heed how you hear. Because the outcome of your life and the eternity hinges on one thing. How, how do you respond when you hear the word of God? How do you respond when God's voice speaks to you? What kind of heart do you have? What kind of heart do you bring him when the word of God comes to you? Oh, I pray that somebody would get the revelation of this. That here's the hope today is that no matter what kind of heart you came with, do you know that all three of these types of soil can be solved by one thing? All you've got to do is plow. That's all you've got to do. Plowing solves it all. Because you can take a diamond tip blade and you can run it down the middle aisle of this church. And if you keep digging long enough, it doesn't matter how hard it is, how many layers of concrete and building there are. If you just keep digging and keep plowing, you'll get to soil eventually. And you'll clean it out eventually. And you can make a field out of this room right here. If all you'll do is be willing to say, you know what, God, my life has gone astray. My ears have been deaf I've ignored your word but today God today I'm not making that mistake I'm going to come and plow my heart and prepare my heart and in so doing I'm going to change my future in so doing I'm going to change my destiny in so doing I'm going to save my soul